Davidson, and I would like you to join me from here at Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as I minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. Father, open our ears that we can hear. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto you. And Father, let us only see Jesus. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna trip it up a little bit today. If you will turn with me to Numbers 23, I'm gonna begin there. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? You see that verse? You know what I love about the, the Word of God? You can call God on it. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Have you ever had somebody pull the rug out from underneath you? Or as my daughter would say, throw you under the bus? God doesn't do that. He doesn't. The wonderful thing about God is he doesn't change. You know, people are saying, well, this is the Old Testament. God never changed. You got that? God doesn't change. He is the same all the time. The only thing that changed was the covenant. Same God, different covenant. That's the only thing that changed. That's why we can trust in the Word of God. That's why we can put our whole trust in the Word of God. That's why we can stand on the Word. That's why the Word is our rock. It won't move. We can hang on to it and it won't change. That's what I love about the Word of God. If God reveals that to you, then you can stand on it and God can't take it from you. He won't. Now turn with me to Titus 2. I'm going to begin in verse 3. Uh, well, let's begin in verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Look at this next verse. The aged women, and that means experienced, the aged women likewise. Notice it said likewise. It said likewise, like the men. It said the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be, and that's all of you, that they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I want to just take a look at the first today where it says not false accusers. I love what somebody put up on Facebook one day. They said the only time you should be talking about your fellow Christian is on your knees. 
only time you should be talking about somebody is on your knees. I want us to go to Luke 4. These verses are becoming more and more alive. This is Jesus, one of his first sermons. He has just come out of the wilderness. He has just come out of overcoming the devil. Now it's time to start his ministry. And in verse 18, Jesus starts it by asking for the word of God, the book, and he opens the book to the specific place. He didn't close his eyes and pick somewhere. He opened it to the specific place because he was getting ready to talk. And this is what he said. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection to the poor. And that is not only poor in money, that is poor in spirit. It said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I love this. God knew we were a people that were poor in spirit. He also knew we were a people that had broken hearts. And that's why he sent Jesus to heal the broken hearts, not just to preach the gospel, not just to get you born again. No, he sent Jesus to heal your broken heart. And you know, after that heart is healed, it is amazing what you can do. It is amazing what won't touch you. It is amazing how you can walk standing upright, people talking about you all the time, and you just smile and keep on walking. Why? The heart's not hurting anymore. Now, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to preach, to publish deliverance to the captives. God knew we were captive. God is not surprised the way we are. God is not surprised the way you are. He is not surprised what you have gotten yourself in captivity with. He's not surprised. And you know what? He sent Jesus anyway. Get this in your hearts. God sent Jesus to save you. He didn't send Jesus to condemn you. And he didn't send Jesus to destroy you. He sent Jesus to save you. Now, if you refuse, he's coming again. And it won't be to save. It'll be to destroy. But you know what? He'll get us out of here first. All right? Now, and recovering of sight to the blind. When you don't know where to turn, when you don't know what to do, that's being blind too. It's not only physical, and it does mean physical, but it's also in the heart. What I love about God is he deals with the heart. He doesn't deal with the outside first. He deals with the heart. And you know, the wonderful thing is when he deals with your heart, it shows up on the outside. It shows up on the outside. You start washing your clothes. You start fixing your hair. I had a mother that was extremely depressed. There were days, days, she wouldn't even come out of her bedroom. That's when I learned how to make peanut butter sandwiches and, and make myself cereal and things like that because she was so, so depressed of the devil. And you know what? God came in. And my mother was delivered. My mother is part of the message. Jesus didn't come to condemn her. He came to save her. And my mother doesn't do that anymore. You know what my mother does? She prays for her daughter. 
My mother, she has her own apartment. She, she's happy. She gives. She's a giver. My mother is walking as well as she can with Jesus. That is why Jesus came. He knew she was in captivity. And he sent Jesus to her. And he'll send Jesus to any of us that will ask. We just have to ask him to come. He's waiting to fix us. We just have to ask. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Bruised in the heart. Like I said, Jesus deals with the heart. Bruised. Words said to you. Things done to you that got to the heart and it bruised it. Have you ever had a situation where you are just hoping somebody doesn't bring up a certain subject because it's going to hurt that wound? I mean, you're going to be wounded. You can feel the wound inside. You can feel it down deep in the heart. And it's not, a, it's not a physical wound, but you can feel the wound there. I went through a period of that. It was agony. And, and I remember talking to someone. I didn't want to talk to anybody, but it was, it was hurting. And God was dealing with my life. And I remember the person was standing in front of me, and I said, would you back up a little bit? And they said, why? I said, because my heart is all over the floor. I said, I feel like I'm bleeding. I feel like I'm bleeding. Do you know what that was? It was God dealing with the heart. And it hurt for a little bit. It hurt. Oh, it hurt. But you know what? And then it got healed. It got healed. Do you know that your God knows what you need? Do you know that not only does your God know what you need, he knows what you need because he loves you. He loves you. He is love. We don't realize that when we're reading the Old Testament, how many times he put up with his people coming against him and refusing to walk with them time and time and time and time and time. And there was one day he finally had to deal with them. And you know what he did? He dealt with them and then he turned right around and he sent Jesus. And then he sent Jesus. If we've got Jesus, he won't deal with us like he dealt there. We don't have to go through the judgment. We don't have to. Why? Somebody already went through the judgment for us if we will believe. Somebody already took your judgment if you will believe. If you will mix your faith with it. That's what activates it. Mixing your faith. And you know what? God loves you so much. He gives you faith as a gift. He gives you everything you need the only thing you need to do is put in the effort we are going to talk today about sanctification interesting topic you don't hear about it much in the church today except here sanctification if after today and you start reading the word of god you're going to find out how many times you see this in the word it's in there a lot sanctification and i want to show us what sanctification is because it's not what some people think if you will turn with me to Exodus 29. I'm going to begin in verse 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're just going to read parts of it. 21 verse 1. And this is the thing that thou should do unto them to hollow them. This is God speaking to Moses. And that word hollow here means sanctification. It means to dedicate. It means to consecrate. It means to set apart. To set them apart. He said, this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hollow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Notice he wanted these men, these people, to minister in the priest's office. 
But they couldn't do it until he hollowed them, until he sanctified them, until he set them apart. You know, if they'd have tried to do it without that, that power of God would have come on them and it would have destroyed them. So God knew what needed to be done so that he could use them, so he could sanctify them, so he could set them apart. And I want us to go to verse 10. We're going to skip down there. If you have time, read this because it's interesting. Like I said, God never changed. The covenant changed. Verse 10, and thou shalt cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation. And this is to hollow them. This is to sanctify Aaron and his sons so they can minister in the priest's office. Brought before the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hand on the head of the bullock. And they shall kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And we know from earlier, when they put their hands on top of that bullock, all their sin went into the bullock. An innocent cow. They put their hands on the cow, their sins went into the cow, and then they killed the cow to get the blood. Now, if you would go with me to verse 20. Start in 19. And thou shalt take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. And thou shalt kill the ram. And thou shalt take the blood, his blood, the ram's blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron. And upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of the right hand, and upon the great toe of the right foot, and sprinkle the blood around the altar round about. You see, they had to be anointed with that blood of the ram. Why? So they could minister in the priest's office, so God could use them. They had to be sanctified. They had to be hollowed. They had to be set apart, consecrated. And they did it here with the blood of that ram. They had to be touched with the blood of the ram. Why? So God could use them. Now go down to verse 43. And this is after that's all done. He said, and there I will meet with the children of Israel. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me and the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. Now I want you to notice something here. A tent cannot commit sin. But the tent was sanctified. So sanctification doesn't have to do with sinless perfection. And when they taught us that, I didn't even know what that meant. But it has nothing to do with purifying of sin. It's setting apart. A tent can't sin. The altar can't sin. There's a day that God sanctified. God sanctified the day. These things can't sin. So it's not sinless perfection. What is it? It's set apart, sanctified, so they can be used of God. The tent had to be sanctified so the Spirit of God could come in it. The altar had to be sanctified so that the burnt offerings of the Lord could be burnt on it. Everything you will find when you read this about the tabernacle, everything was sanctified, set apart to God with blood. With blood. And once those priests went through all that, they could do the work of God in the temple. Now, turn with me to 2 Timothy 2. And we're going to say, well, in the New Testament, what is sanctification? When we read it in the New Testament, and it's there a lot, 
Like I said, you're going to find out how many times it is, and you're going to know what it means. Sanctified. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. And it says, If a man therefore purge himself of these, and if you read earlier, it talks about things that he needs to get rid of, he shall be a vessel, a vessel, a vessel unto honor, a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I was a reading teacher, and I will say to you, read your context clues, and you will find right here the definition of sanctified. What does it mean? It means taking the vessel unto honor, making it honorable, and then meet for the master's use, able for God to use. Now, what's the vessel in this case? You and I. We are a vessel. We are a pot. It's interesting, but I want us to consider we are a vessel. And our vessel holds, holds the spirit of Jesus in it. Does it not? When you were born again, you get the spirit of Jesus. Your vessel not only holds your soul and your spirit, that's what your vessel is, the outward body. If you take away the body, then the spirit and soul are going to go someplace else. So we have a vessel. And in this vessel, we have the spirit of us. We have our soul. We have the spirit of Jesus if we're born again. And if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you got the spirit of God in you. That's a pretty cool vessel. And we're going to find out about that vessel. But in this case, this vessel was sanctified. Meat for the master's use. And that's what sanctification means. Putting you in a place where you are set apart to where God can use you. Do you know that God can use you the moment you are born again? Why? You got the spirit of Jesus in you. Do you know that God uses, uses, wants to use every one of us? Every one of us has a place with God. It is not just the preachers. I don't know where we got that one. We can't read. It says that all the body fitly joined together, all those vessels each have a job, and God has a wonderful job for each and every one of us. We just have to find out what that job is. And that's one of our seeking. What do you want me to do? But I tell you what, one of the most wonderful jobs that God has for even the newborn is prayer. Is prayer. You know what I know about people that are just born again? And if you are just born again, there is a grace put on you. There is a grace. And God is so sweet to you. I mean, it's like you pray and here it comes. And you look at it and you go, boy, this is easy. Milk it while you can. Because then God will come to the day where God said, okay, now it's time to walk. Now, a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now, how does that happen? Turn with me to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, I'm going to begin in verse 11. And this is talking about Jesus, and it's talking about the crucifixion. He says, for the bodies of those beasts, this is the Old Testament, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also. Look at this. Wherefore, our Savior also, that he might sanctify the people, set them apart. Set them apart so God can use them. 
Jesus so that he can sanctify us, so that he can set us apart where God can use us. Where God can use us, he suffered without the gate. He suffered outside of Jerusalem. He suffered on the hill of Calvary. Why did he do that? He wanted to be able to sanctify you. You know, we have talked about forgiveness. We've talked about the blood of Jesus these last five, six weeks. And we talked about the next step, we have forgiveness. And then we go a little higher and we get justified. Justified is where not only are your sins forgiven, but they are blotted out of the book. The book is white as snow. No sin evidence anywhere. And then we talked about redemption, being redeemed, ransomed from the devil. Last week, we talked about righteousness. We talked about what righteousness was, that we rule and reign with that righteousness. And righteousness is the right standing with God. Right standing with God. We can stand in front of God because of righteousness, the gift of righteousness, the gift. And now we're talking about the next level, sanctification. All of these things are what Jesus' blood did for you. None of these things are by what you did. None of it. All of it was by the blood of Jesus. And you know what's the wonderful thing about that? It is not what your heart is telling you right now. It is the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that justified you. It is not your feelings. It is not how many Psalms you read yesterday. It is not how you had to deal with a colleague. It has nothing to do with that. Your righteousness, your justification, your redemption is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is why you're justified. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. Well, this one over here has a better apartment than I do. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has to do with the blood of Jesus. So when you're feeling not righteous, you can pray. You can speak what Jesus did for you with that blood. And you know what? You overcome what you feel. Why? Because your faith is being activated. Because you're using your faith. We come to a place where if we feel out of sorts, if we feel like we are not in the spirit of God, we can get back there. We can get right back there. Right back there. What do you do? Father, forgive me. And then the blood of Jesus. You get whatever is bothering you under the blood. Whatever's bothering you under the blood. And we don't look at our feelings. We know about Abraham. If Abraham would have gone with feelings, we'd have never gotten Isaac. Never. But Abraham believed what God said. He used his faith. God said, you're going to have a son. And he wouldn't let go of that word. And what did he get? No matter how old he got, what did he get? He got a son. He got a son. God does not lie. So, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Why can God use us? Because of the blood of Jesus. That's all. That's all. 
It's the blood of Jesus. What makes us righteous? What makes us justified? What makes us sanctified? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Your faith is in the blood of Jesus. Not in your own ability. The blood of Jesus. Now, let's go one more verse. One of my favorite verses. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure, this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you see that verse? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Where do we get the power? Is it us? No. It's the Holy Ghost in us. The Holy Ghost is not the power. The power is in the gospel. But it's the Holy Ghost that brings it up in your spirit and you follow the Holy Ghost. You are nothing but an earthen vessel. You are nothing but a pot. Those that say, I do this for Jesus and I do this for Jesus, you can't do a thing for Jesus. Jesus works it all through you, through the pot. The pot doesn't do it. It's the spirit working through the pot. Do you know that that's the way Jesus did it? He was a pot and the spirit worked through the pot. He just had the advantage of having the spirit of Jesus first. But you know what? That's what we have. That's what we have. We have a pot with our spirit, our soul, the spirit of Jesus. And if you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you got the spirit of God in you. Anything that Jesus did, you can do also. That's why Jesus sanctified you so you could be used. It is not you. It is the blood of Jesus that sanctifies us. It's the blood of Jesus that justifies us. It's the blood of Jesus that redeems us from the powers of darkness. It's the blood of Jesus. I cannot believe how many people won't even touch the blood. That's where it is, folks. That's where it is. And to get there, you can't even get there until you are born again. Born again. Having that spirit of Jesus put in your pot. And you know what? That spirit of Jesus, when he comes into your heart, he will lead you. He's a shepherd. And the wonderful thing is when you look at these weeks and you please go on my website, kdwol.com and listen to these tapes over and over and over. God will minister them to you. And you know what? Jesus will lead you. That's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He's the shepherd. He knows what you need. He will lead you where you need to go. He will tell you what you need to hear. He will make the situation where you need to learn. That's our shepherd. But you can't do that until you are born again. And how are you born again? Jesus said you must be born again. That's John 3. You must be born again. And how are you born again? It's simple. Jesus. Jesus. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. And lead me. That's all it takes. You know why? Because the man, Jesus, is waiting on you to ask. He can't do anything until you ask. But when you ask, he will come in. That is a guarantee. God cannot lie. And it says in Romans, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.